Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you are inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. Take your Bibles there and open them up to Genesis chapter 3 this morning. Genesis chapter 3. And as you're opening your scriptures up, uh, I just wanted to say congratulations. You've won. And you have perfect attendance for the new year. So... uh, there are no awards or trophies or anything, but, uh, but congratulations. And uh, we're so thankful uh, that you are here today. Genesis chapter 3. And I want to begin by backing up uh, there, uh, reading a couple of, of verses uh, from chapter, chapter one, 1 and a and a verse uh, from chapter 2, but you, you hang out in chapter 3. In chapter 1, verse 27, the scripture declares, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. In verse 24 of chapter 2, the scripture declares, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and Hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Verse 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now moving into chapter 3, it begins, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field the Lord God had made. And he, the serpent, said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He, God, said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this 
that you have done. Then the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence in our in our midst this morning we thank you father for the worship that has already taken place as we sung to you and now father as we take moments to consider your word i just pray that your spirit would do the work as only he can do and that we would hear what you would have us to hear in these moments we thank you in advance for all that you are going to do for it's in the name of Jesus we pray amen amen so we see there in verse 27 of chapter 1 God created man and woman male and female he created them God created binary there are only two options when it comes to gender now I know that our culture and our society will say that gender is a spectrum, but the reality is gender is one of two. There are only two options. And God, it says, created man in his own image. You and I, though we are stained by sin and stained by the fall, we have implanted upon our spirit the image of God. And our first parents, Adam and Eve, were created in his image image in the very image of God he created them and it goes on to say in verse 24 of chapter 2 and it says the man and his wife Adam and Eve our first parents they were naked and they knew no shame or in my translation it says both were naked and were not ashamed I like the translation that says that they were naked and they knew not shame. And it's interesting to me as I read the Bible and as I attempt to plumb its depths and its mysteries and its riches as to why that verse says what it says. Think about it. This is right before humanity as a whole is about to cross the line and, and be infected and stained with sin. And it says there in verse 25 of chapter 2, the man and his wife were both naked, and it doesn't say, and they knew no sorrow, and they knew no shame, or they knew no fear. Instead, it says, and they knew no shame. And I want to postulate and put before you this morning the reality that I truly believe that the aspect of shame and all of its deception is something that you and I as God's created beings, as his children, we were never intended to know this thing called shame. We were never intended to know anything about this aspect which we call shame. Look at it there again in verse 25. It says that they were both naked and they knew not shame. You and I were never intended 
to know what shame is all about. But unfortunately, because of the fall, you and I and just about every other person watching and, and engaging, we know intimately about this thing called shame. We know, uh, for some of us, we know it all too well. You're not good enough. You're, you're not smart enough. You know what? You look funny. You're, you're a little bit... You're a little bit shaped like a basketball instead of a twig. You know, your feet are too big. Here's one personal that I dealt with all, all the time when I was a child. Your ears are too big. You look like Dumbo the elephant. The reality is, and I can go on and on, I can, I can continue to meddle until I find the one that, that hits you, that, hits, that has hit you in the past. You know, Another one that, that I've heard, you know, and we like to phrase these things as humorous when in reality they are not so funny. Oh, that girl, oh my, she fell out of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way to the ground. Now on the surface that sounds funny and humorous, but the reality is we're putting shame in. And, and if you need any more evidence, all you have to do is open social media in these days. And you scroll down through it, and you see aspect and instance after instance of, of shame being put on humanity. And it is so bad, and it is so rampant in our culture that now we are dealing with this aspect of the youngest among us, the children, the future of our entire civilization, because of shame that is being put on them from other people, going and ending their very lives because of shame. The reality is you and I, as God's children, we were never intended to know what shame is all about. But unfortunately, isn't it true that we, we know all too well what shame is all about? In verse, uh, in chapter 3, as we make our way across the line and, and uh, we uh, see the, the encroachment of sin, it says that the serpent, the devil, the enemy, he was more crafty than any other beast that the God had made. And it's interesting to me how the devil operates. It's interesting to me how he comes and attacks those of us who claim and acknowledge that we belong to God. It's interesting to me. And many times, though at times he does uh, do things overtly, many more times he sneaks his way in. He's crafty. He's, he's sneaky. He's a little, he's little deceptive and deceiving. And, and, and he finds the way around. And he begins his assault on our first parents by asking a simple question. He asks just a simple question. And there are three questions that are contained within our passage this morning that I want to investigate and what they mean to us and how we can take and, and realize this aspect of shame is something that you and I don't have to deal with. The first question that, that we see here is a question that is posed by the devil to our 
first parents. In fact, it's posed to Eve. He said to her, did God actually say? That is so crafty from one of the, from the craftiest beasts that the Lord has ever made. Did God actually say? And let me tell you, now 2,000 plus years or uh, since, since Jesus has appeared on the scene in humanity and many more beyond that, in all of these years, the devil has not changed his operating uh, techniques. He oftentimes, when he attacks, he doesn't do it overtly. But he comes in and he whispers to us, did God actually say, did God, when he said that, did he really mean that? Did God actually say, he asked Eve, that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. See what he did there? It's deceptive. He knows, he knows what he's doing. He knows that there is one tree that, got, that the Adam and Eve are not to eat from. He knows that any of the other trees they were free to eat, of, eat from. But look at it again in Scripture. It says, did God actually say that you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? Now, we need to understand, and, 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 and as we uh, are dealing with the attacks, and they come, unfortunately they come. When they come, we need to be able to shut it down before they go too far. You see, that's one of the, the mistakes that Eve made. She didn't grow up in the 80s. I'm a child of the 80s. And there was this phrase that, that was pretty prominent in the 80s, late 80s, I believe, when, when you didn't want to listen to anything else anyone was saying. And it all began with a simple gesture. Y'all know what this is? Talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. That's what Eve should have done. But she didn't. And that's why you and I, when the devil comes to whisper to us, when he, when he comes with these subtle, slithering things, we need to have the courage and the, and the experience to say no. But Eve entertains the question. And she goes so far as to say to the serpent, you see, in, in this passage of Scripture, I understand that Eve gets, gets a lot of blame, and she gets a lot of, of the bad rap, and I'm going to deal with that here in just a moment. But she attempts to answer the question, and she says, no, 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 you don't understand. God said that we can eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but there is one tree, one tree that we shall not eat of, or we can't even touch it, or we will die. And let me just say this. In this moment, the devil has Eve because he's, she has engaged him. And when it comes to our lives, when we hear those whispers, and they come, 
we are at a very fragile state when we begin to engage rather than just saying, no, I'm not going to listen to this. And so Eve, giving credit to her, attempts to answer, but the devil already knows the plan. He knows that he has her. He knows that, that he is a fisherman and she is on the line. And so he just begins to pile on. No, 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 Eve, you don't understand. You will not surely die. The devil is a liar from the beginning, and when he lies, he speaks his native tongue, the scripture says. For God knows, you see, God knows when you eat of that fruit, you are going to be just like him. In other words, Eve, God is holding out on you. God is ripping you off. God is keeping you at bay from enjoying something that, that he knows that you should enjoy. God is, God is being mean to you. The reality is we live in a society and we live in a culture that has bought into this lie. We see it day after day after day. Oh, God must be, I can't be a Christian. I can't go to church because God is holding back on me about all these things that I could uh, be doing. The reality is those things lead to death. The devil asks her that question. Did God actually say, and the devil is asking the same question today to you and to me inside the church and outside the church. Did God really say, did God really say, can you really trust his word? Did he really say about marriage? Did he really say that it was one man and one woman? Well, you know, maybe he didn't really mean that. After all, God's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to experience the fun. Did God really say that gender is male and female? Did he really say that? Did he really say anything else? Did he really say that? And our culture and our society has bought the lie. And they are now dealing with the consequences of it. Did God actually say, and the serpent said to the woman, you're not going to die. God, God knows that when you eat it, you're going to be just like him. But think about it for just a moment. Backing up to verse 27 of chapter 1, it says that in God's image, Male and female, Adam and Eve were created. The devil was promising Eve something that she already had, but forgot about. And because of that, it, so, it says that she saw that the tree was good for food and, and it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to, to make one rise. She took of the fruit and ate. And that's where a lot of us like to stop. Aha, uh -huh, you see, you can't trust women. Now, please don't take that out of context. But that's what a lot of folks will say. It's all your fault. It's, if Eve wouldn't have been there, then things would have been different. But there's a comma in my Bible at that verse. It says, and she also gave some to her husband. Notice the next phrase. Who was with her? In other words, Adam was right there, taking part, 
So the reality is Adam being first created did not interject and say, wait a minute, whoa, don't do this. He went along with the plan, the scheme. And the reality is, though we like to blame Eve and it's all her fault, and, and I've heard it so many times, the reality is they were both guilty. They were both guilty. It says that the eyes were both opened and they knew that they were naked. Now, chapter 2, the scripture again, they were both naked and they did not feel any shame. Now that they've crossed the line, they understand, they realize that they are naked. So what is the first thing that they do? They sewed together fig leaves and made themselves coverings or loincloths. The reality is shame has entered the arena. They were ashamed because of their sin. And the scripture goes on, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Think about it for just a moment. Put yourself, and I know it's difficult, but put yourself in the place of Adam and Eve, knowing each and every day that God himself was going to come and was going to walk with you. Wouldn't that be something to look forward to each and every day? It says that they heard the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves. Why did they hide themselves? Because they were ashamed. They were ashamed. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, and here's the second question that's posed in this. Where are you? Where are you? Now you need to understand theologically, God knew where they were physically. He knew where they were. God is omniscient. He knows everything from beginning to end. He knows everything. He knew where they were. The question was more, where have you gone spiritually? Because you see, the reality is that fellowship that Adam and Eve enjoyed walking with the Lord in the cool of the day, that fellowship, that closeness, that bond has now been severed. It has been severed. It has been destroyed. And God, I can almost read so much a tear in God's eye as he asked this question of them. Where are you? Where, where are you? And he's asking that question to our culture this very day. The culture, this nation that was founded upon Christian principles. This nation that we take so much pride in. This culture has gone so far away from the biblical principles and values we hold and have held up high as a guide for our lives. This culture has gone so far into wickedness and, and destruction that I can almost hear audibly God saying to the culture today, where are you? This is not what I had planned for you. This was not a part of the purpose that I have for you. Where are you? And he says that to you and I at times when we travel off into our sin. And it says there in verse 10, and the answer to the question, Adam speaks up, 
and says, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Shame. Shame has entered the arena, and is now the fruit of that shame is being played out on the screen of this drama. And God, here's the third question. And God said, and he asked, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? Who in the world deceived you? Who is the one that told you? And Adam, and he goes on to ask, have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And then we have the first example of the blame game. The man, being a man, says, it's all my fault, I did it. I take full responsibility. <laughs> That's not in there. The man does what men do. Her. It's her fault. She gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. But, but look closer to that. Adam isn't blaming Eve so much as, do you see it? The woman that you put here. The woman that you put here, God, you put her here. You did it. Now you've got this problem that we are in the midst of. You did it. Adam says, I'm just going to excuse myself and you two can work this out. After all, God, it's your fault. That's what Adam is saying. It's your fault. And isn't that just like us? as human beings. And then the Lord asked the woman, what is this that you've done? And the blame game continues. That serpent, the serpent, he deceived me. And I ate. The reality is, we live in a culture and a society that is dealing with shame. And as Christians, unfortunately, we deal with shame at times. You're, like I said before, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You don't look the way that you should. You, you will never amount to anything. You're too lazy. You're too stupid. And on and on and on and on and on it goes. And the reality is we, especially outside of the church, but inside of the church too, we are, we are bewitched with these words. Did God actually say, did God really say that? Did he really, I mean, is that what, what, what translation of the Bible do you have there? But did he really say that? And once we get into this conversation, we, we find ourselves being deceived by the enemy. And before long, we as a culture, we see the evidence of it all around us. God himself is saying to our culture, and maybe to each and every one of us this morning, where are you? The relationship, the fellowship that was so close maybe is now broken. It isn't as close as it used to be. Where are you? And let me, let me postulate this. Let me put this before you this morning. 
when it comes to the reality that if you look at your spiritual relationship and there is a gap between you and God where none existed before, the reality is you moved, he didn't. And we are hearing this question God is asking every one of us at times. And, and, and we're, we're no stranger to it and we're not immune to it. Where are you? as he asked our first parents. And we say that at times, well, I believed a lie. They said I wasn't good enough. I might not be good enough. They said I was too stupid to graduate college. They, they said that I wouldn't amount to anything. They said I would never make it. And a lot more things that they say that I can't repeat in church. And we hear that wonderful question. It is a wonderful question because it invites us to, uh, to take a moment to step back and to ponder, who told you? Who told you? Isn't it interesting, and I find it tragic that in our world today that we would much rather listen to the voices of lies around us than the truth from God himself. We listen to the lies and we scoop them up and we eat them up. And in our culture today, you can see it all around us. When I was in school uh, back in the 80s and, and graduating in 1992, we did not have to worry about bathrooms for both. We did not have to worry about some of the things that we have to worry about. You know, when I was, and I'm dating myself a little bit, when I was in school, if you had a problem with another individual, you waited until the final bell at the end of the day, and you went outside and you handled it. And I've been in a couple of those instances where I thought I was going to handle, but the only thing that got handled was me. But that's another story for another time. It's still painful uh, when I think about it. Um, but the reality is our culture has believed a lie. And it has bought 100% into the lie. And now they are doubling down on the lies. So that they are so far from what God has intended that, that God himself is saying to our culture today, where are you? But God isn't just saying that to our culture. It's beginning to seep into the church. And God, I believe, is saying to the church and asking the church, where are you? You see, in the church, we can get so mixed up and twisted up over some of the simplest of things at times that we uh, who are called to love one another at the end of the day want to take each other outside and take care of business. And, that, and it's sad, and the devil in those moments has us right where he wants us. God says, who told you? And so this morning as I close, when it comes to the reality that, that each and every one of us deals with shame, we have to come at it with the truth of the word of God, that, that God did not create us to know shame, and that when we are uh, having shame put on us, it is not from God. God, uh, make no mistake, God convicts. 
There's a difference between conviction and shame. And as, as we go into this new year, perhaps this is a new year, when you look at your life and you see only shame, there's only what everyone else has said of you. But let me just tell you this, that is not what God says. When it comes to opinions, there is only one opinion that matters, and that's God's. And he created you, and he loves you, and he thought you were so valuable that he sent his son to die for you. That means you are pretty valuable. And I would, I, would, I would say that you are priceless. No matter what you look like, no matter what you talk like, no matter your intellect ability, no matter anything that this world would want to put on us, you are valuable and shame has no part of our lives. And we need to walk in the reality, in the truth, that these questions are so tragic, especially the last two. Where, where have you gone? Where have you gone? And isn't it true at times that, that we find ourselves so far from where we intended to be? I heard a pastor say one time, nobody ends up somewhere by accident. You end there, up there because of choices that you make along the way. Even when you're lost driving, and, and, I can, and I can say I've never been lost driving. Now, there have been plenty of times where I had no idea where I was or no idea how I was going to get to where I needed to get, but I've never been lost. This is like a new adventure, like, a, like, like in the games the kids play. I'm extending the map. In fact, there was one time a, a fellow told me driving in downtown Pittsburgh that he got so twisted up and mixed up in where he was trying to go that he stopped and asked the police officer, hey, can you, can you tell me how to get to this destination? And the police officer says, uh, well, he thought for a second, and he says, well, if you go down here and take a left, and, no, that's not right. Well, well, if you go this way and, and you take a right and... No. Well, if, and, and the story goes that the policeman had to, had to say, you simply, you can't get there from here. And isn't that what the world wants us to believe? Isn't that what the world is shouting to us? This idea of heaven, that you can't get there from here. We're too mixed up. We're too messed up. When God says all the while, you are not too messed up. You are deeply loved. And so in this year, new year, as we enter into this new year, let me just encourage you this morning and, and you on, on Facebook as well. When shame comes in, realize the origin and deal with it the only way that, that we can by not even participating. I, uh, I grew up, I have said that several times, I grew up in the 80s, and, and, uh, and I close with this. In the 80s, there was this, I love movies. One thing you need to know about me, I love, I love movies, I love all kinds of movies. In the 19, I believe it, the early 80s, there was this movie starring Matthew Broderick and Call entitled War Games. And at the end of, at the end of the movie, there's this line, and it says this, strange games, 
And when it comes to shame, I want you to hear this this morning. Strange game. The only winning move is not to play. And that's, what it mean, and that's the same when it comes to shame from others or the culture. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.